This is the Imagine Alba podcast, bringing Scotland to you. In each episode, we explore Scotland's captivating history, celebrated myths, spectacular landscapes, and vibrant culture. Through the Imagine Alba podcast and our free online magazine, imaginealba.com, we share our love of Scotland and inspire your imagination. Whether you live here, have visited, are planning a holiday, or you simply love all things Scottish. Join us for a virtual journey across Scotland as we Imagine Alba. If you are like us and are addicted to the Winter Olympics, no doubt you've been glued to your telly for the past two weeks. And while sports such as ski jumping, ice dancing, and more recently snowboarding have traditionally been the darlings of the games, over the past couple of Olympics, curling has emerged as one to watch. Which is funny, considering that curling is actually one of the world's oldest team sports. Even Mr. T is a fan, with the hashtag CurlingIsCoolFool trending on Twitter this week. On today's episode, we imagine the decidedly Scottish sport of curling. Curling is finally getting the respect it deserves among Winter Olympic sports. After all, it's one of the more difficult team sports that combines strategy and skills along with precise teamwork. There has been a rich tradition of curling in Scotland since the Middle Ages, but folks in Britain started to stand up and really take notice in 2002 when the All-Scots women's curling team brought home the gold from Salt Lake City, the first winter gold for Great Britain since ice dancers Torvald and Dean in 1984. In that now-famous game, Skip Rona Martin's final throw became known as the Stone of Destiny when the Scottish women beat Switzerland 4-3. Scotland put British curling on the map, and in Sochi 2014, the women brought home a bronze medal. Historically, curling was a way for farmers to pass the time during the winter, and some things never change. The two biggest curling dynasties in Scotland, the Muirheads and the Smiths, are both sheep farmers as well as world champion curlers. Curling was part of the program at the very first Olympic Winter Games in Chamonix in 1924, when our own Royal Caledonian Club took the gold medal. But the game didn't appear again as a medal event until Nagano in 1998. With a centuries-old tradition of curling, Scotland has always dominated Britain's curling scene. After all, the world's oldest known curling stone, dating to 1511, resides in the Smith Art Gallery in Stirling, which is also home to the new three million pound state-of-the-art National Curling Academy. There are dozens and dozens of curling clubs across the country, and while curling may be trending now among winter sport fans, folks here have been shouting hurry hard for generations. Can Scotland take credit for inventing the roaring game? Well, we don't know for sure, but the first written reference comes to us from Paisley Abbey in 1541. And that curling stone from the 16th century? It was found in a Dunblane pond. Robert Burns even wrote poetry about curling. 
So if the game known as Chess on Ice has a home country, Scotland could certainly claim that honor. Curling matches have been played on frozen ponds here since at least the Middle Ages. But today, more than 20 ice rinks throughout Scotland host curling clubs. Even the curling stones used in the Olympics are made in Scotland, out of stone from a Scottish island. Since 1851, Kays of Scotland have been making world-class stones from their workshop in Mauchlin. Founded by William Kay and his sons Andrew and Thomas, Kays is still owned by the family. The rock comes from an uninhabited volcanic island called Elsa Craig, which is about 11 miles off the west coast. This unique island is made of three types of microgranite rock, green, blue, and red, and each has a specific use in the production of a curling stone. About once a decade or so, the team from Kays mines 200 tons of granite from Elsa Craig, and that's enough to last them until their next visit. Made to exacting specifications, each stone weighs a hefty 44 pounds and has a diameter of 36 inches. Each stone is polished by hand using water, diamond talcum powder, and felt. The finishing work is done with a magnifying glass. Fewer than 10 master artisans produce all the stones, and since a curling ring needs on average 96 stones, they stay pretty busy. So now that we have a rink and our curling stones, what do we do with them? Here's Rab with the word of the day to tell us more. Hello. Today's Scots word of the day is bonspiel. If you're thinking, hey, that's not a very Scottish sounding word, then you're right. It actually comes from Low German or Dutch of the 16th century and translates to league or association game. But it's what we call curling tournaments, which are thought to have originated in Scotland. From at least the Middle Ages, bonspiels were contested on frozen freshwater lochs, with participants decked in fancy costumes for the occasion. Bonspiels became very fashionable in the 18th and 19th centuries. Robert Burns references the game in his Tam Samson's Elegy, when he wrote... When winter muffles up his cloak and binds the mire like a rock, when to the lochs the curlers flock with gleesome speed. Outdoor bonspiels are now more commonly found in Canada, the USA and New Zealand, but are very rare in Scotland. The last fresh air grand match was held on the Lake of Menteith in Stirlingshire, which also has the claim to fame as the only lake in Scotland as the rest are called lochs. There's a wee bit of trivia for you. The last time Scotland mooted an outdoor bonspiel was in 2010, but it was cancelled due to logistical and safety reasons. So how is curling played? The game starts with a friendly handshake and a coin toss. While a curling team can be five strong, only four can play at any one time across the roles of skip or the captain, the third, effectively the vice skip, second and lead, with the fifth known as the alternate. The aim is to get the stone closer to the centre of the house 
than the opposition, with games consisting of eight or ten ends. The stones are thrown in a set order and scoring is determined after all stones have been delivered. The team with the stone closest to the house is allowed to register a total per end. Points are scored for stones located in or touching the house closer than those of your opponent. If the score is tied after 10 ends, the game goes into extra ends until one side wins. Brooms are used to sweep the ice in front of the stone when it is delivered. This reduces friction and allows the stone to travel further, as well as reducing the amount it will curl. Visit the extras for this episode at imaginealba.com for a video that demonstrates how curling is played. This is Rab. Thanks for joining me for the Scots Word of the Day. Can you imagine your perfect day in Scotland? Would you make a pilgrimage to the land of your ancestors? Or explore magnificent castles and mysterious stone circles? Perhaps you would hike into the heart of an ancient supervolcano or follow in the footsteps of legendary kings and powerful druids. Maybe you would top it all off by indulging in world-class seafood and, of course, a dram or two of the local whisky. No matter how you imagine your perfect day in Scotland, we'll help you make it happen on an Imagine Alba private day tour, local experience or self-drive itinerary. Visit imaginealba.com to find out more. Imagine Alba. Find your Scottish soul. And we're back with the Imagine Alba podcast. It's no surprise that Canada has always dominated curling. Besides the fact that it has a cold climate and lots of frozen lakes to play on, There was a large population of Scots that settled there in the 18th century that bought the game with them. Local legend has it that the 78th Fraser Highland Regiment melted their cannonballs to make iron curling stones and curled at Quebec during the Seven Years' War. As the game became more popular there, they used to play with iron stones shaped like giant tea kettles because they didn't have the right kind of granite there and it wasn't easy to transport tons of rock from Scotland to Canada back in the day. Have you ever wanted to try your own hand at curling? Well, visit trycurling.com, that's trycurling.com, to find a Scottish curling tasting session near you or somewhere you might be visiting in the future. There are sessions for all ages run by the Royal Caledonian Curling Club, which is the national governing body. You can drop in and get an introduction to the sport from an expert. Many sessions are free and equipment is supplied. All you need to do is wear warm, comfy clothing and shoes with rubber soles, like trainers or sneakers and they can accommodate those of all fitness levels, including those with mobility issues, such as a wheelchair. You can find a link to sessions in Scotland, as well as in the U.S. and Canada, on the extras page for this episode. 
Visit imaginealba.com for extras as well as our free online magazine with all the latest Scottish news, events, features, and in-depth articles. We also invite you to subscribe to the podcast. And if you like what you hear, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review. It really helps others discover us. We would like to thank A.W. and Bill for becoming supporters this week. We really couldn't do this without you. Thanks so much. Until next time, thanks for listening. This is Michelle for the Imagine Alba podcast, bringing Scotland to you.